Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. and it's another week of American Tennis. And folks, thank you very much for tuning in and listening every week with American Tennis. And uh, thanks for uh, the show, Jason Haynes, doggone it. You know, Jason has been through a tough time up there. Uh, Much, uh, you know, golly, his son is, um, once again, folks, prayers, prayers going out every day, every day, Keep people in your prayer chain, and uh, Jason Haynes, his family, and his son, as they're going through the tough time, and we just always wish him well, and thank you, Jason, for starting the Your Tennis Network, and uh, we're very grateful. Uh, Coach John Denise's program, of course, is on Thursday, tomorrow, 5.30 on Your Tennis Network, with actually the Yellow Ball Network is has taken over now, the Yellow Ball Network, and that's Coach J.P. Weber, we uh, thank you very, very much. And uh, Lisa Stone has had her Parenting Aces program for five years as well. And actually, I think she's branching out and doing a different podcast. You'll have to check her listing for um, her Parenting Aces program. So uh, those of you who have been with us five years, thank you very, very much. And thanks for just uh, hanging in there with us. Uh, we're, we're very, very grateful. I'm, I'm Coach Chuck Creasy, and uh, every week we do our American Tennis program here on Wednesdays at noon. And I apologize, last week I was on the road with my team driving and uh, couldn't find a place to stop over and do the program. And you know how that one goes, it's just too many moving parts sometimes, but uh, we're back. And I think we've got a great program for you today. I wanted to um, just say thanks for listening. But you go to my website at www.chuckcreasy.net, Chuck, K-R-I-E-S-E.net, and you can get to camps, all of the programs that I've done over the past five years and uh, some of my writings and things. And uh, I always 
ask you to stand up, speak out, say the things you need to say. And, folks, you can say anything you want just about if you address issues and organizations, not people. You can talk out against the USTA or the ITA or any of these organizations. They are not – but the people, where you get in trouble is if you start addressing people and then people get to back up and get defensive and things. But we need to – I bet you, I bet you the USTA, if they've got a good leader down there, that guy, that gal is wants us to uh, tell them what we think. Tell them what they think. I was in a restaurant recently. It said, if we're good, let others know. If we have, if we're bad, let us know. And it's, it's that simple. If, and I've always felt that way running camps and things. I, you need to welcome uh, things. You, you, you feel yourself. You don't see yourself. And you need other people's eyes. And we need other people's eyes uh, and looking at ourselves and looking at our own programs. And you've got to empower other people to do that. I've had many programs and many uh, articles and things on mentoring, three-tier mentoring. But we need to empower others and give them permission to say, hey, what do you see? What do you see? And we hope, we hope that uh, USTA, ITA is like that. Daggone it. <laughs> they sure have upset me lately as – We've played so many team matches this year, and team is growing, team is learning. And as a coach, uh, it's a fantastic thing to be able to work with young people. And I hate to say your experimental laboratory. You don't want you don't want people to be like experimental uh, um, just projects, but you'd learn so much through the interaction of many people. Again, now I want to start out by saying today and as you're working with building a program, not just uh, building a team, that the centrifugal force or the synergy of people working together, it doubles, triples, and quadruples people. And uh, it's the quickest way to help people reach the top is through teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work is the, the little saying, but it really does. But it's, it's all about synergy and it's all about working together and, uh, trying to find that uh, those things that, that aid people in getting through this complex minefield and all of the obstacles you have to overcome. And so a program today is on building from the ground to the top, and that it's a process. It's not a product. It's a process. A team, a one-year team, is a product. Building a program, building something that lasts for a long, long time is the process of doing many, many things over and over and over and over and over uh, very, very well. And it's, it's always a uh, series of, of uh, thinking the right thing, doing the right thing, having the right objectives. And basically you have to have the behavior that you want first. But, but let's talk about that here in a second. I've got to get through uh, just a few other introductions. If you ever want to call in, the area code is 714-5836-853, 853 and we usually toward the end of the program we'll take a few phone calls but uh, building a program uh, folks uh, the people I always respected the most in my life were coaches and I never wanted to be anything else but a coach uh, those were the those were the people that I as a young as a child and as adolescent growing up respected and you might be the same your teachers or your coaches had tremendous impact on you 
So I loved watching the the Vince Lombardis, the Tom Landrys, uh, golly, the Bobby Knights. I grew up in Indiana, and uh, regardless of uh, anybody, how how much people think this or that of that guy, uh, <laughs> would have given anything to spend a week, a month, or have a career under that guy and learn. And uh, I guarantee, as tough as he was, I bet there was never a player that came back and just said, oh, you were too tough. You were just too tough. I bet they go back and say, wow, I, I see what you were trying to trying to teach me. And that's what good coaches do. They demand the very, very best out of people, and they have a way of bringing it out. And uh, everybody uh, looks at the methods of trying to bring that out. But excellence is never, ever just something that is uh, shallow. It's always the result of uh, many, many things. And uh, we want to talk about building a program, a program today, and, and, and that's what we're going to get into. We'll get through this quick commercial, and we'll be right back on American Tennis. J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. Concept 
each one of you out there listening, if you're a youngster listening and wanting to build your own career, if you're a coach, if you're a parent, if you're uh, uh, just someone who's leading young people, let me give you the five steps. And the five steps are these, and then I'm going to go through them. But the first step is you must build a culture, building a culture of excellence. Number two, you must learn how to compete. Competing is much different than just being a hard trier and let's go out and have fun. You must learn how to compete fair square, but you must learn how to compete. Number three, you've got to learn how to lose. Yep, I said it, lose the right way. And does losing make you a loser? No, losing teaches you how to win. And, uh, again, you have to learn how to lose the right way, the right way. Number four, you've got to learn how to win. And what is winning? You must be able to define winning and what it actually is. And I always say at the end of this program, you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or with a loss. But before you can learn how to win, and it is a tough, tough deal to learn how to win. There's a fine, fine line to winning, and it does not come easily. You must lose a lot before you learn how to win. But learning how to win is the number four, and then learning how to win championships. So once again, build a culture. Number two, learn how to compete. Learn how. Number three, learn how to lose. Yep, I said it, folks. Learn how to lose. You've got to win when you're losing. That's the trick, but let's get to it. Number four is learning how to win. And then last, you learn how to win championships. Yeah, quality is never an accident. It is always the result of very high intention, sincere effort, intelligent direction, and skillful execution. It's not an accident. These Bill Belichick did not get where he is by accident. Tom Landry, the Dean Smiths, the Mike Krzyzewskis, the Bob Knights. Yeah, the Harry Hopmans, the Harry Hopmans who won for 20 straight years. I was so fortunate to be able to work for Harry Hopman. For about an 18-month period, I was around him and saw what he did. And it was not the tennis. It was the little things. It was the little things day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. And it was the culture. It was the culture that, that was provided there. It was about doing things the right way and doing them over and over and over again the right way. So let's talk about building the culture. Let's talk about and, and, um, behavior. First statement is behavior is more important than thinking right. In other words, we can think right all we want, but we've got to do right. Um, I've, I've got a, and I'll go quickly through this, but I talk to uh, youngsters all the time, and I say there's eight things, uh, four from me and four from the competitor or from my uh, opposition or you and your opposition. There's eight things. It's what I see, what I feel, what I think, what I do, and it's my opponent's what he or she sees what they feel, what they think, and what they do. Now, this is quite important. I always tell that there are four controllables, four uncontrollables. The controllables are, are, well, let's go to uncontrollables. 
I cannot control what my opponent thinks. I cannot control what they do. But here's where everybody gets mixed up. You cannot control what your opponent feels. And guess what? You cannot control what you feel. Feelings are like weather that comes like a storm sometimes. It comes like a calm sometimes. It, anxiety comes. Calmness comes. Fear comes. All these things come like monsters out of nowhere in competition. You cannot control what you feel, but you can control these things. You can control, number one, what the other person sees. Then you must control what you think, what you do, those things. You must control what the other person sees, what you think, and what you do. You can't control your feeling. That's where we get goofed up. And guess what? If you understand that I can, if you control what the other person sees with your body language and the way you present yourself to the situation, and if you can control what you think and what you do, then the tennis gods will, and there's no tennis gods, but I always refer to the tennis gods. Tennis gods will give you the ability to control what you see. You seeing the right things and you becoming the constant, the other person becoming the variable, is the result of doing the other three things first. And we've said it before, don't be fat. Don't feel it, act it, then think it. Be FTA. Feel it, then think right, and then act right or do right. But you've got to build a, first is to build a, You've got to behave right and build a uh, culture, a culture of excellence. And the culture of excellence is built a long time before winning comes. And I've always described it to this. And I, if whether it's a very anxious alumni for you to start winning or whether it's a parent or something, I always say, look, if you want to build a skyscraper, you must build down below the ground for five or six floors, hundreds of feet below to build the foundation deep. And once you build the foundation deep, then when the, when the skyscraper starts rising, it starts rising quickly. And uh, guess what? It's a beautiful, beautiful skyscraper. And it didn't just happen on a plank of wood or a, a daggone slab stone. Um, this, you, know, you have to build deeply down first. Sometimes, if you come into a program that doesn't have a culture uh, that is a winning culture, a culture of excellence, you have to dig out all the old, all the old boards, all over the riffraff. You have to dig everything out first. You got to throw stuff away. Sometimes you keep stuff. Sometimes you keep things from the previous program. But the point being is that you've got to dig down deep and get that foundation right. And nobody sees what you're doing unless you are very, very, intimate with the program and somebody's around it all the time. Nobody sees what you're doing until it starts to rise and rise above. And uh, Every program is like this. It takes time to build. And I'll tell you as a college coach, it's very, very tempting to go out around the world and recruit uh, the international players that have played professional tennis for two or three years. And yep, I heard, I, I said it folks, and it's true. We have uh College tennis is loaded up with international and <clears throat> players who've gone out and made money. And the NCAA made a new rule now that parents out there, you're allowed to make, your youngsters allowed to make up to $10,000 a year and still play college tennis. And they did this 
basically to just control uh, the abuse of the professional rule. It's it's really, uh, I don't think it's such a good idea. That's my opinion now. That's my opinion. I think it's just awful. But we basically have a lot of single-A ball players all around the world, and they play a little bit and make up to $10,000 a year. Then they come to college, and wow, let's, let's get a college scholarship. Not right, not good. Not what builds the infrastructure of USA Tennis, folks. It's it's uh, we got to stand up, speak out about that one, and that's a whole whole program we could do there on on the recruiting of so many. But that's that is the short, what I think is the short and quick way to build a program, you know, to build the you know, culture, you know, because it it anything that is quick to build usually comes down fast as well. And, again, we're talking about the building the culture. Now, that culture, you have to decide what you want your culture to be. You have to decide. You want it to be something very, very serious and long You want to go after uh, excellence in everything you do. And guess what? You might well build championships. But um, to me, sports are an educational process. They are not an entertainment process. That's where we got messed up in our country, I believe, is that we turned our great sport of tennis over to the market to the marketeers. And the marketeers are after the money and the growth and this and that and how many people we have. And we are diluting, polluting, and prostituting the greatest sport in the world because of this. But um, number one is to build the culture of excellence that you want, and folks, when you're building the culture and getting the culture right, oh my golly, cleaning out, uh, cleaning out the, the bad wood, or cleaning out the things that are rotten, or cleaning out the things that of that foundation that will not allow that skyscraper to to uh, take place it is a very tough process because it might be some kid that's winning a lot. <laughs> And, but he's doing it in the wrong way. And easiest thing to do in the world, too, is to throw things. Listen, don't just come in and get rid of people. That's the easiest thing in the world. Try to work with people, work with people, give them the parameters, give them the parameters to um, you know, work with somebody. But, but folks, uh, do not, do not just throw people out. That's just a, a quick way of saying I, I really dislike when a leader comes in and just starts cleaning house. You've got to come in and, and evaluate and figure out, yeah, I can use this again. Yes, this is right. We can do this. This person is really trying to do the right things. But it does come to a place where you have to make a decision. If the person is not part of the solution, they might be part of the problem, as they say, and you might have to get rid of people. But Build the culture. That's number one. And let's talk about building. Building, the next thing is learning how to compete. Again, it's build the culture, learn how to compete, learn how to lose, then learn how to win, then learn how to win the championships. Um, gosh, learning how to compete. I. This, this is... This is um, an interesting one. I happen to be working, uh, coaching my son's 11-year-old uh, baseball game. 
And I, you know, and when they were doing the T-ball, everybody's let's have what well, my son never did the T-ball first of all, but I think he started when he was eight with that coach pitch stuff or machine pitch and everybody was let's have fun. Let's have, well, the kids are going to have fun. They don't sort of uh, resonate with the pressure yet. They don't sort of get that part of it, but learning how to compete. Um, I can remember they went and played this little all-star game and um, there was a high school coach there sort of coaching them and they lost a close one and like one or two kids sort of got it and they were, disappointed but the rest of the kids were just interested in their peanut butter and jelly sandwich after the ball game and the coach I remember him saying you know very soon it's going to matter to you a whole lot if you work hard whether you win or lose and it's very important that you do those things that that you feel gave you the best opportunity to win and always do that because losing will hurt you if you work hard and winning will feel good if you work hard. And don't get caught in between, he told the kids. Don't get caught in between where it doesn't matter. Some of the parents are looking cross-eyed at the coach, like, whoa, we just wanted them to have fun. We, we are, we, that's about the worst thing ever is the way we just tell our kids, go have, they know how to have fun. And guess what? You know what? It's not fun to lose. And, you know, it is fun the process of, trying to win, of giving everything, and losing hurts, but they have to learn how to lose the right way and turn bad pain into good pain. Turning bad pain into good pain is the trick when you lose, and you must learn how to lose And then before you learn how to win. Those are the next steps. Got to tell you a quick story here about learning how to compete. I remember... Um, I had over 15,000 kids in 40 years to my tennis camps. And one time this uh, parent from a, uh, you know, very large city, actually it was Atlanta. And uh, a parent came up to me and said, Oh, I, I appreciate that my son's working hard. And this kid was sort of a goof, goofy kid. And I, it wasn't a bad kid. It just 13, 12, 13, 14 in that age where they're just hitting puberty and the hormones are racing and sort of a goofy kid. And, you know, he wasn't into it. And the father said to me, you know, I just want my son to have fun. I I don't want him to ever burn out. And I looked at him and it was after, look, look, my disclaimer was after a long, long week of having a hundred kids there. And I said, sir, with all due respect, you got to have a little fire going in the belly before you could ever burn out. <laughs> the, the kid did, had no fire in the belly. Learning how to compete, though, takes – kids need to learn how to try. They're very, very hardest. They don't have to be the best. They must be their best. That is the critical thing, be their best. You're always number one in the world at what you go after. Do not ever be an imitation. You can copy Roger Federer. You can copy – boy, it's amazing. A lot of these young kids are mesmerized by this curious guy, this new kid, that flashy guy, the flashy guy that – wow, a lot of good talent there. But uh, a lot of them are mesmerized by that. But if, even if you want to copy him and you want, you're the best – copy in the world the best you can ever be is number two in the world I tell kids you've got to be number one in the world at being yourself go after it and learning how to compete 
means that you recognize that you're going to hurt when you lose and it's going to feel good when you win. That is part of the deal. Listen now. The pain that you have after you lose when you gave your best will be like a broken bone that when it heals, that bone, your resilience is twice as good. You understand the pain and you're not afraid of it as much the next time. You, not that you, we all ever welcome pain, but we know that there is no growth without the pain. And there is no gain without the pain. Pain is not the enemy. Teaches us fastest. So here's the deal, too. With kids who don't learn how to compete, they just, hey, I'm a hard trier. Hey, I just want to have a good time. Look, the pain will still be there, but it's more like a slow disease that doesn't go away. Even when you're well, it still is there. It's like a disease. Even when you get well, you still have the sickness. It doesn't go away. But give your best and lose. Your best in a losing cause. Give your best in a losing cause. Give your best in a winning cause. If kids learn how to do that, and they learn that pain is not the enemy. Here's what you do with the pain, too. When the kid's hurting a lot, say, go back to the court. Get it out. Take it out on the backhand, backboard. Go hit backhands for a while. Go run. Get it out of you. That is the best way to turn bad pain into good pain. And it is absolutely the quality of the pain that is important more than the quantity of the pain. The quantity of the pain, look, a person has to, listen, here we go, El Fido, there's the acronym, El Fido, learn, forget it, drive on. El Fido, learn. The learn comes from the pain. Forget it, drive on. Forget it, drive on. But you must learn, forget it, drive on. El Fido. And that's what we have to do with the kids. When the kids win, they need to feel good and be able to pat themselves on the back. There's a lot of kids that win and still don't know how to pat themselves on the back. I've seen kids winning, oh, it wasn't good enough. I know I won two and two, but it wasn't good enough. And I don't know, you know, this is a thing. They've got to learn how to pat themselves on the back. And they've got to learn how to use the pain. But learning how to compete is part of that deal. Now, number three, number three, learning how to lose. Hmm. I've... I've sort of talked about this already with learning how to compete, but learning how to lose, you've got to win when you lose. Here is the way that you do that. I, when kids beat themselves up too much, I usually tell them whenever you miss, make a bad mistake, you must say immediately, this is good because, then answer the question. Okay, you miss a backhand in that. This is good because I didn't release on that back end. I didn't have my left leg locked down. I didn't, I didn't push off with my feet. I did not. My mind was too cl- This is good because when something bad happens, this is good because. And if you, if you can do that, it allows the kids to take a negative and at least make it a neutral. It's hard to make it a win, but you can at least make it a neutral. And um, I talk to the players all the time about plus neutral experiences, not neutral negative experience. So the best thing on that happens 
is a plus. Worst is a neutral. When you get to neutral negative, like, oh, gosh, okay, I want to be able to explain this uh, to where it makes sense. Let's say I'm on the court and I'm playing somebody that I beat the last time, and I beat them 6-2-6-2, and I'm arrogant. I have a wrong attitude. Well, there's two, four things that can happen, my good, my bad, or my opponent's, they're good, they're bad. So a good thing is my, of course, I hit a good shot, or they make a bad shot. The bad thing is their good shot and my bad shot. So if I have the wrong attitude, this would be a negative neutral mentality. If they hit a winner, I go, oh, you're the luckiest person I've ever seen. Oh, it's so lucky. If I have that mentality, that is a negative. Or if I miss a shot, I go, oh, I've never played worse in my life. That's unbelievable. I'm playing so bad. I'm so bad today. That's a negative. And then if I beat the person the last time and I hit a winner against them, instead of maybe being somewhat like, yeah, come on, I can do this, I'm like, well, I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to. And they hit a mistake. Well, that's fine. That's just the way it is. And then I'm a neutral negative. It should be that if my opponent hits a good shot, and I can just say, hey, good shot, and walk away from it, that makes that a neutral. And then if I make a mistake, I can go back and touch the fence and say, next right thing, play to win. That's how you handle your mistakes on the tennis court. Next right thing, play to win. Six words gets everything right. Touch the fence after your mistakes. Next right thing, play to win. Bounce a couple times, turn around, and there you go between the points. When you hit a, hit a winner, don't flaunt it, but just feel really good about it. That's a plus neutral. So that's the plus neutral instead of negative neutral deal. But it all comes from a state of mind and how you handle winning, how you handle losing. Look, losing has to be at least a neutral. This is good because answered. My nuts might still hurt. Two weeks ago, we sort of had a bad, bad match. I thought the guys were on a roll twice this year. The light went on, and then it went off as we're building our program here. And uh, I thought it was rolling, and it was a bad. The guys did not compete the way they should. They sort of held back. They were in the choke zone, in the anger zone a little bit of of the Jim Lair circle. Look up the Jim Lair circle competition. Boy, is that a good guide. I use it. I learned it 20 years ago, and I use it all the time. Lair, L-O-E-H-R. He's a great sports psychologist out there, folks. Look look him up. And uh, But his circle of competition, he has the challenge zone, and then outside of that, the choke zone, and then outside of that is the anger zone and the tanking zone. But our guys were in the choke and the anger. They did not get to the challenge zone. So we lost, and I said, guys, we didn't deserve to win. This is good because this is good because you learn right away that you're not going to get rewarded for that type of uh, performance. You learn this is good because you learn that you cannot halfway lay it on the line. You must lay it all on the line. You must trust your training. You must go out there and honor the game of tennis or the tennis game of tennis will not honor you. So learning how to lose, you must learn how to least look learning how to win when you're losing is a tough one but 
This is good because it's a darn good thing to do. So then learning how to win. This is the hardest thing of all. That's where I am right now with the program that we, we have right now and my coaching. I absolutely fantastic love what I'm doing, where I'm doing it, and, and uh, gosh, it's fantastic. Uh, it's just that the kids understand the work and getting them through the first three stages of building the culture, learning how to compete, learning how to lose, have been very – very uh, much in the framework of the schedule that I would want as a coach. When it's happened. Learning how to win is the hardest thing of all. Everything changes when you lose. They have, I read an article how closing a tennis match out is the hardest endeavor in sport. It's harder than kicking a field goal at the end of the game. It's harder than making free throws at the end of the game. It's harder than anything else. And here's why. It's because if you don't know how to win and you're trying to learn how to win, you will always play with your worst at the end against the opponent's best. If they're the favorite and you're the underdog, your hand-eye coordination, your fine motor skills start breaking down. And if you doubt, you're out. And if you start to pout, uh, I can't think of a rhyme for that. But the, basically, you have to progress it. You have to address it and progress and address it and progress with it. You have to address it as if you've won 30 times already. And it's one thing for the coach to say, just act like you've done it before. And uh, parents just, hey, just do this, just do this. It's amazing how my parents will come up to me and say, when my child gets ahead, they just collapse. Well, you know what? They're going to until they get used to winning. And, that's what happens. That's why winning takes a long, long time. Winning's usually the last thing that happens. Winning's usually the last thing that happens. And, and again, it, it is a long, long process. And um, look, scheduling is probably the most important thing out there, folks, and especially if you're a parent. Scheduling is the most important thing. You must schedule one-third where your youngster is going to win. One-third where they're in over their head, one-third at their level. One-third, one-third, one-third. And guess what? The week of that tournament, gosh, folks, five to ten sets where you win, play against people you're supposed to beat. Do this. Start out down one three fifteen thirty first set, two four down the second set and try to win those sets against somebody you're supposed to beat. Those are the skills of, of how you learn how to win and to carry a lead. Carrying a lead is probably the most, not the most important, it is the hardest, hardest thing to learn in sport. In basketball, you saw it all through the NCAA tournament. People miss the front end, the one-on-ones. They play sloppy with their head if they're not supposed to win. And, and the point is, carrying the lead in tennis, that's why the no-ad scoring is an abomination. It is just an abomination because it doesn't teach the kids how to consolidate their leads and learn how to lead. It, 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 is, it is just it, – it is the worst – those leaders out there, the ITA leaders that have pushed this, you guys, it's shameful. It is shame 
pull that they have pushed this on us in saying, oh, it's a great, great method. No, it's not. They, you, don't, you guys don't know what tennis really is. Tennis is the most intriguing drama field and the hardest to learn to win at sport there is. And what you guys have done is you're trying to make a quick fix so that certain teams can win without putting in the time. And there I said it, but it's, it's absolutely the truth. But learning how to carry a lead is the hardest thing there is in sport. And you have to do things. There's things you can do in learning how to win. I'll have my players reverse the score in their head. If they're up 30-15 in a critical game, I say, no, 15-30, 15-30, 15-30. Because everyone plays better when they're behind than when they're ahead until they learn to carry the lead. Until they're the favorite, they will play better when they're behind and worse when they're ahead. So when you're ahead, it's about discipline. When you're behind, it's about aggression and being aggressive and keeping pressure on the other side of the court. And when you're behind also, when you're even, it's about confidence and leading. You've got to get used to leading and got to get used to winning. So really, folks, play a lot of the scheduling, one-third, one-third, one-third. And uh, again, there, there's learning how to win, again, is the hardest thing. But once you learn how to win, you've got to learn how to, again, when you're ahead and you're winning a lot, it's all about discipline. It's taking care of the details. The last part is learning how to win championship. A championship should be a byproduct of all steps one through four. You build a culture. You learn how to compete. You learn how to lose in the right way, then you learn how to win. When you lose again, it's this is good because, and you make it a, a uh, win at least a neutral out of winning, of, of losing. And, and trusting your training, doing the right thing. Your training has to be that you prepare so hard. When you get on top finally, if you outwork the opposition, you will not score, you will not lose much in tennis. This is important. When you get to the place where you're winning championships and winning a lot, if you outwork the underdog, it's very, very hard to get upset. You might one out of ten times, but the odds are really, really loaded in your favor. And here's why. You learn – this is an oxymoron or a paradox. You learn how to play well as the favorite. Mainly when you're ahead or when you're the favorite, you will play worse until you become a champion at what you do. When you learn how to play well as the favorite, and here's the trick. Be the favorite, but give yourself something to gain as the favorite. And, again, that's a paradox because when you're the favorite, you have something to lose. And when you have something to uh, gain, usually it's easier as the underdog. You don't have something to gain. So what do you do as the favorite? You keep your eye off of the prize and onto the process. You you basically do, again, you've built a culture. You know how to compete. You're not afraid of losing anymore. You're comfortable with winning. Did you hear that step? You build the culture. You learn how to compete. You make a win out of a loss, and then you are comfortable winning. When you do all that, the tennis gods let you go forward, and you start learning how to win championships that's where roger federer is at 
against Kyrgios last week, folks, against Kyrgios down in Miami, he outworked the guy at the end. He did. He wasn't too cool to try, and uh, the guy was coming at him with every every barrel loaded that he had, and he fought and fought and fought and fought and fought. And at the end, he still, after so many championships, so many wins, so many Grand Slams, he had the exhilaration of that win of a job well done and laying everything on the line as the favorite. If you outwork your opponent, like Roger Federer always does, I heard that one time he said. Every time I go into court, I know I can lose if I don't outfight my opponent. I don't know whether that's true or not. It's a great story to tell kids, though, and that is what you have to do as the favorite, and you will not get upset very often. But it's, it's a matter of uh, the process of doing all of those right things. Again, uh, learning how to win championships is the result of many, many things done together. Uh, it's it's about your training and trusting your training. It's about being comfortable winning. It's about understanding that losing does not make you a loser. And winning does not make you a winner. It's the understanding that when I lose, what do I learn? I have kids write down in notebooks after they lose. They don't need to when they win. When they lose, what do they learn and how do they go forward? And quality is never an accident. It is always the result of high intention, sincere effort, intelligent direction, and skillful execution. And um, folks, thanks very much. Uh, We got to get ready and go. We are done with this week, but folks, uh, please listen in again to American Center. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.